said to his mom, Mom, I think I'll be a pastor when I grow up. And the mom said, that's fine with me. But what made you come to this decision? And so Philip answered, you know, I figured that since I'm going to church every Sunday, all my life anyway, I might as well stand up and yell than just listen and talk. Now I wonder if our children in our Sunday school think that ministry is all about standing up and yelling, especially pastoral, evangelism, and teaching ministry. But many of us know that ministry is not just standing up and yelling because not everyone is just sitting down and listening. In fact, there are those who, who oppose, who stand up and yell back to. There are those who cause problems. And there are those who are touched by the Word and Spirit of God. And they, they, they respond and follow Jesus Christ. And there are those who cause trouble. Now, such was the case in our passage today in the book of Acts. When Paul stood up and preached, there were those who just sat down and listened. Then there were those who were touched by the Spirit of God as the Word of God is preached. And they were moved and they repented and received Christ as Lord and Savior. And there were those who stood up and also yelled back at Apostle Paul. And there were those who poisoned the minds of people against Paul. And there were those who who tried to oppose the preaching of Paul and Barnabas. But wonderful thing about Paul and Barnabas is, no matter how the people responded to the preaching of the word, they continued in the work of God, and they stood up for the gospel of Christ and preached the gospel of Christ. Today we continue with the first missionary trip of the church, which is composed of Paul and Barnabas and sometimes John Mark. Uh, and we look at this mission trip as an adventure. In fact, Christian life is an adventure of faith. A simple dictionary, the Collins Dictionary, defines adventure as a series of unusual, exciting, and sometimes dangerous events. See, it's a series of events that are unusual, exciting, and sometimes dangerous. In an adventure, there are risks and there are rewards and lots of unknowns. As Paul and Barnabas continues their first missionary trip, they visited the cities of Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe, and then back to the cities, back to Antioch, Apisidia and Antioch, and then back to their home base, which is in Syria, Antioch. These three cities were part of the Roman province of Galatia. Today, these are places found in modern-day Turkey. Like before, they started with the Jews in a synagogue, but now they were aiming for the Gentiles. Now, we must remember that Luke primarily wrote the Book of Acts and also the Gospel account of Luke for a truth-seeker named Theophilus. These were his words in Luke 1, verses 1 to 4. He says, And as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you. 
So we learn that the Gospel account of Luke and the book of Acts were primarily written for a man named Theophilus. And it seems to be an influential citizen of Rome because Paul says, Most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Luke was a physician, but we learn that he is also a skilled historian. He went into great lengths to investigate the things about the life, teachings, and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He did meticulous research to come up with the right names of people, right names of government officials, right events, and, and the places that up to now are well documented in history. He interviewed the eyewitnesses, and he himself was an eyewitness in many of these events found in the book of Luke and in the book of Acts. This tells us that Paul or Luke wrote the book of Acts and the gospel account to assure Theophilus that what he has learned about Christ could be reliable and is verifiable. What I'm saying is, Christians, you and I have a historical faith. We have a very credible faith that is backed up by history, ancient writings, countless eyewitnesses, and even archaeological evidences. And as you get grounded in the Christian faith and in the Word of God, may you more fall in love more and more with the leader of Christianity, the Lord Jesus Christ, God who became man, who died for you. May the Lord bless the reading and the exposition of His Word. At this point, I invite you to stand wherever you are and open your Bibles to Acts 14, 1 to 28. Acts 14, 1 to 28. I'm reading from the NIV. Verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot foot among the Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. In Lystra, there sat a man crippled in his feet, who was lame from birth and had never walked. And listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and told out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped 
and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lycanian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and rings to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from this worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with his words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. And some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going to Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From Atala, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done to them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there for a long time with the disciples. Lord, we need to hear your word, especially during these times. Speak to us by your spirit. Use this humble and lowly servant to bring your word to your people. In Christ's name we pray. Three cities, the cities of Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. Different results because it is an adventure. In the city of Iconium, we find Paul and Barnabas. Dividing the city. Who would have thought that strangers like Paul, two strangers, 
who had no army, who had no political power, could divide the city of Iconium. You know, when we faithfully do God's work, sometimes we divide people. Yeah. But didn't the Lord say in the Temple of the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Yes, we are to be peacemakers. Our aim is to reconcile people to God. Our aim is to be to bring peace. And we bring peace by the gospel of peace, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But because we live in a world that is fallen, that is wretched, and where there is wrong but evil, there will be people who would accept the gospel of peace, and there will be people who would oppose or reject the gospel of peace. So as we present the gospel of Christ, sometimes we divide families and groups. We divide people between those who agree or accept our message and those who disagree and oppose our message. And that should not come as a surprise because our leader, the Lord Jesus, one time he said, don't suppose that I came here to bring peace. I came with a sword. In one other instance, he says in John, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. That's a very polarizing statement. Jesus, you're either for me or against me. There is no middle ground. Until Jesus returns, there will be those who are for him and those who will be against him. So here's the thing. Those who are for Jesus will be for us. Those who are against Jesus will be against us. Because Jesus says, a servant is not greater than his master. If there were people who persecuted Christ, there would be people who would persecute Christians. If there were people who kept the word of Christ, there would be people who would accept the message of the Christians. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the only one who could ultimately bring final and lasting peace to the world. However, in the process of doing this, He has to separate the godly from the ungodly. To the godly, He will bring peace. But to the wicked, the Bible says, there is no peace to the wicked. Verse 4 of our text says, But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some sided with the apostles. From last week's message, Paul and Barnabas were expelled from Pisidian Antioch, and so instead of going back to their home base, they proceeded with the work of God and went 120 kilometers to the city of Iconium. As usual, they went to the local synagogue, and on Sabbath day, they worshipped the Lord. They attended the worship service. After the worship service, they then they preached the gospel. At first, it was wonderful in Iconium because a great number, not only of Jews, but also of Gentiles, believed the message of Paul. Remember last week, 
Paul and Barnabas turned to the Gentiles. So they were still starting with the Jews, but now they were aiming at the Gentiles. And so when some unbelieving Jews saw that a large number of Jews and Gentiles were responding positively to the preaching of the gospel, they steered the crowd and poisoned the minds of the people against the Christian missionaries. The Christian word for poison literally means that these unbelieving Jews made the souls of the people evil against Paul and Barnabas. But we find in verse 2, in spite of the people, their minds being poisoned and now antagonizing the two Christian missionaries, we are told that Paul and Barnabas remained in Iconium for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord. And the Lord, by God's grace, they enabled these two missionaries to perform signs and wonders in Jesus' name. So what's happening is, while Paul and Barnabas was doing, were doing evangelism, these unbelieving Jews were doing counter-evangelism. So while the duo were doing missionary work, the unbelieving people were doing counter-missionary work. And so the people of the city of Iconium were divided. Some sided with the unbelieving Jews, the others, the other sided with the two apostles. What's the lesson we could learn here from this adventure of faith of Paul and Barnabas? When we do God's work faithfully, we can never please all people. We can never please all people. There will always be those who would agree with us and support us and join us. And there will be those who would not agree with us, oppose us, and reject us. Do not be surprised when you experience persecution or rejection because we live in a fallen world that is hostile to God and His principles. Be ready when there will be people who will dislike you because you stand up for the Lord Jesus. The world is divided between the godly and the ungodly. There is a battle between good and evil and a contrast between light and darkness. And when we preach the gospel of Christ, we expose that division. You could say we even encourage the revealing of that division. And sometimes, it will be very challenging for us. But still, we continue to do the work of God. When we cannot do the work of God in one place, we go to another place and preach the word of God like what Paul and Barnabas did. So since the people in mind were now poisoned, being poisoned in a conjunct, perhaps it came to a point when they could not continue to stay in a conjunct, they went to another city. They went to the city of Lystra. If in Iconium half of the city were against Paul and half were for them, in Lystra most if not all of the people worship them, it would read. That is the life of faith, the adventure of faith. Exciting, unusual, dangerous, risk, rewards, and a lot of unknowns. So why did the people worship 
Paul and Barnabas. Well, here's why you would appreciate the research work of Luke and tells us that the books of the Bible are credible and reliable because around that time when Paul was and Paul and Barnabas were doing their missionary work, there was a popular myth or story in the city of Lystra. There was a myth or a legend or story that some time ago, the god Zeus and Hermes went down to earth, took the form of mortal men, and tried to seek refuge in the houses of the people of Lystra. And most of the people of Lystra closed the door, they shut the doors on these two men because they didn't know they were their god Zeus and Hermes. Every one of them rejected these two gods except for an elderly couple who welcomed them into, it, into their home. And so uh, everyone rejected them except for these two couple. Later on, Zeus and Hermes revealed who they are and destroyed all the houses of those families that rejected them while rewarded this couple. They made the house of this couple into a temple with golden roof and columns of marble. In our text, a crippled man named, was listening to the preaching of the gospel and Paul saw that there was faith in that man to be healed. And so the, Paul spoke to the man, said, get up and walk. And the man had faith to obey all, so he jumped and walked. And so we find here that often there must be a response of faith to the offer of grace so that the hearer could be blessed by grace. Let me repeat that. Oftentimes, there must be a response of faith to the offer of grace for the hearer to be blessed by grace. In one passage in the gospel, it says that Jesus was not able to do many miracles in the place because of the unbelief of people. Without faith, no one can please God. But with faith, we please God and we put ourselves into a receiving end of God's blessings. And so because a man had faith, Paul commanded or prayed healing over the man and a miracle happened. And the people saw it. They knew that the man was crippled for life. And now he's walking and dancing. And so the people rushed to Paul and Barnabas thinking that they were Zeus and Hermes and sacrificed, offered sacrifice to them and worshipped them. The people of Rystra may have reacted this way because of this popular story that was going on, that was, that was familiar with the people of Lystra. And we could understand the crowd's reaction to this couple, to this duo, this fallen Barnabas. It's understandable. They don't want history to repeat itself. They do not want that what happened to their ancestors generations ago would happen to them. They want to avoid the punishment of their gods. They want the favor of their gods. Here's another lesson. Miracles are not enough to elicit faith. Miracles or supernatural occurrences or signs of wonders can be misunderstood and misinterpreted. See, Paul and Barnabas perform a miracle in the name of Christ, and the people thought it was done by their false god Zeus and Hermes. 
And so when you hear of miracles or supernatural events, filter them with the truth. Filter them with the word of God. In fact, the Apostle John would say, do not believe all spirits. Test the spirits. If the miracle glorifies Jesus, then it is from God. If the miracle's message is according to the word of God, then it is from God. But if the miracle is suggesting, you know, that we worship another person, then we are either misinterpreting the miracle, misunderstanding the miracle, or the miracle was performed not by God. In our case, servants of God performed the miracle, but because the people did not know about gospel yet, they misunderstood the miracle. They misinterpreted the gospel. So Paul and Barnabas, uh, who knew and understood biblical truth, stopped the people from worshiping them and tore their clothes to show that they are not gods, but they are just human beings. Then they redirected the worship being given to them to the only true God. They said, Men, why are you doing this? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from this vain thing that you are doing and only worship the living God who made heaven and earth and everything that you see in them. True servants of God, whether humans or angels, will not accept praise, adoration, and worship from people. Let me repeat that. True servants of God, whether angels or human beings, will refuse praise and worship from people. They will always redirect worship to the one who alone is worthy. In the Philippines, there is a pastor who claims he is the Christ, and he receives praise and worship from people, and he became very, very rich from the donations of people. True followers of Christ will not do this. The Lord Jesus warns us that there will be those who will come and say that they are Christ Jesus, they are false Christ. Do not listen to them. He tells us to be on guard against false teachers and prophets who come to us in sheep's clothing, but inside they are ravenous wolves. True servants of the Lord will do their best to refuse the praise and worship given to them by people just like Paul and Barnabas. Why? Because that is idolatry. And the Bible condemns all forms of idolatry. Let me give you two examples. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius was seeking for salvation and the Lord sent the apostle Peter into the house of Cornelius in Acts 10. And when Cornelius saw the apostle Peter, he ran towards Peter, knelt down before Peter, and proceeded to worship Peter. What did Peter do? He pulled Cornelius up and said, Do not do that. I am a human being. Just like you. In Revelation 22, the apostle John was amazed and overwhelmed by the supernatural, spectacular revelations of the Lord given to the angel that in the last chapter of the book of Revelation the apostle Paul proceeded to kneel down and worship the angel but the angel said you must not do that 
For I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers. Instead, worship God. Now, before the adventure of Lystra ended, so at first they worshiped and they loved them. Then some of the Jews succeeded again in poisoning the minds of some people. They, they dragged Paul out of the city and tried to kill him by stoning him. So when they thought he was dead, they left. Amazingly or miraculously, Paul survived the stoning. And so when the brothers came to find out how he was, he rose, joined Barnabas, and then said, let's go to another city. Here's the thing. One day, the people of Lystra loved them. The next day, they hated them. One time, the people worshipped them. The next time, they tried to kill them. Fickle-mindedness of people. Let's go down to the third city. Not much detail is given regarding Paul's and Barnabas' adventure in their day. Our text just says, when they had preached the gospel to that city, the city of Derby, had they, they had many disciples and they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Now, in Derby, since they had a good time, they had a positive outcome. Because there was no mention that they were harassed or they were attacked. It just says that they preached the gospel and many disciples became followers of Christ. Many people became disciples of Christ. The missionaries went to Derby, preached the gospel. We are not told how, but they did. We are not told how long they stayed in the city of Derby. But we are told that many people became disciples of Christ. And here is the amazing thing. After their time in Derby, the two missionaries decided to go back to the very cities where they were persecuted, attacked. They repented, they wanted to go after all those painful experiences in the city of Antioch, in Iconium, in Lystra, or Lystra. Paul and Barnabas decided to return to those verses where their lives were in danger. Why? Because they have Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and to see Why? Because there were people in those cities who received Christ Jesus, Lord. There were new Christians in those cities. And those new believers must be encouraged and strengthened in the faith. They must be discipled, and elders must be selected among them to lead the new believers, and there must be some form of organization or structure over them so that a church could not only survive, but thrive. It was risky, it was dangerous, but Paul and Barnabas had to do it. Last March, in our mission trip in Real Casan, more than 200 people indicated that they received Christ as Lord and Savior. Now we don't know how many of those indications are sincere. It's very possible that many of those people who said they received Christ, only received Christ because they want free medical services and free dental work and free medicines. That is very possible. We don't know. But still, we must pray 
for all who wanted plus of them. And we must pray that they be strengthened in the faith, that they would continue in the gospel, in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would be disciples. And we pray also for our brothers and sisters in that place who would continue to reach out to them, disciple them, and minister to them. We must pray that they continue in the faith. And we must not only pray, we must also do something here because the Lord has blessed us here in Canada to someone support them by financial means or practical support and in the future visit them again to encourage them and to help them out. Because our ultimate goal in doing that mission is not just to preach the gospel one to two days or give free medicines, give free Bibles, give free school bags, feed the people for free. Our ultimate mission is to make disciples of Christ in that place where there is still no church. That is our ultimate dream and mission. And so we must do what we can so that those new believers will continue in the faith, get organized, and become a growing church of the Lord Jesus. And we had plans, but then this pandemic, the situation happened, and so some of that is put on hold. But when at the right time we're going to iron it out and bring it to you so that we could continue to support those believers with the hope that a new church will be planted in Barangay Malapan in Kassan Province in the Philippines. So back to our story. Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Pisidon, Antioch to disciple, to encourage, and to, and to nurture the faith of the new believers of Christ. And Paul and Barnabas told the new Christians, and this is, they said, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Get that? Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So even in these words of Paul and Barnabas, they tell us that the Christian life is not easy. It is an adventure. A person who truly repented and receive Christ Jesus Lord and Savior is entering the kingdom of God. In fact, Philippians 3.20 says, Christians are citizens of heaven and we are awaiting a Savior from there. We have been born again in the kingdom of God and our names are written in the Lamb's book of life and when we die, we're going to heaven not because of good works, not because of religion, but because we place our faith in Christ who died for our sins. We are entering heaven. We are entering the kingdom of God. But Paul says, as we enter the kingdom of God, we must go through many tribulations. There's no easy ride to heaven. Jesus says in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome. If you're a Christian and your life has been easy all the way, maybe you're doing something wrong. Maybe you are not actively living the Christian life. Because Paul says, we must enter the kingdom of God through tribulations. Jesus, I tell you the truth. In this world, you will have tribulations. We enter. And so because we 
if we're living the Christian life I've already before, expect persecution. He says to Timothy, those who live the godly life will be persecuted. What have tribulation? So therefore, we need all the encouragement, all the prayers, all the practical support, understanding, and forgiveness we can get from each other because we must enter the kingdom of God through many tribulations. And let us not easily give up on each other because through many tribulations we enter the kingdom of God. At the end of your missionary trip, Paul and Barnabas returned to the sending church in Antioch. So there are two Antiochs, Pisidian Antioch and Syrian Antioch. So they returned to Syrian Antioch where their first missionary started. They were the ones who sent Paul and Barnabas to this first missionary trip. When they reached or arrived in Antioch in Syria, they did a responsible thing. And what's that? They gave a report. They asked for a church meeting, gave their testimonies, glorified God, and then reported the results of their first missionary trip or adventure. We've been hearing this in our study of the book of Acts. We cannot just sit there or stand doing nothing. We have to step up to the plate. We have to respond to God's call. We are here on an adventure, an adventure of faith. And an adventure is an undertaking that is a series of unusual, exciting, and sometimes dangerous events. In an adventure, there are risks and rewards and a lot of unknown. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, So we are always of good courage, for we walk by faith and not by sight. The Christian adventure is a walk of faith, not by sight. We don't know how it's going to be initially when we do God's work, when we serve Christ. We do not know how people will react when we try to share the gospel, when we try to present Christ and when we serve them in the name of Christ. We don't know if we will unite them or divide them. What we know, we don't know if they will like us or want to kill us. We don't know. All we know is that we must do the will of God. We must serve and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. We must do our best to share Christ and bless others in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Such is the adventure of faith. Are you in? Let's pray. You called us to be your witnesses, Lord, and being a witness of yours calls for us to enter into an adventure series of events in our lives that will be exciting and unusual and sometimes dangerous. There are lots of risks, rewards, and a lot, lots of unknown. Give us the courage to say yes to your call. May we be convicted by your spirit, not just to sit down, do nothing, or stand there and just be bystanders, but may we take part and participate in the adventure of faith, you're calling your church to our faith. How we walk by faith and not by faith. 
Thank you, Lord God, for the lives of Paul and Barnabas. How you use them so that we Gentiles could hear the gospel of Christ and be saved. We thank you for the lives and for the ministry. Now it's our turn to be used by you. May we accept your call for lives. And may you empower and bless us as we answer your call. In Christ's name. Amen.